you're here for a purpose. And I believe that God is going to speak to you. And it's not my words, it's God's words. As we dive into David, uh, we learned that obviously David was a man after God's own heart. God called him. God used um, the prophet and priest and judge of Samuel and called David and, and anointed him. And even through that process, we see that David was a man on, after God's own heart because he stayed faithful. He was open to the move of God, to how God wants to move in his life. And he was humble. And so uh, that's a recipe uh, to help have God draw closer to your heart. If we stay faithful with what we're doing, stay open to the move of God, and stay humble. And then we walked into the battlefield of David and Goliath. And we really dissected that battlefield um, uh, with with a lot of application into our life. And just a couple of them, uh, we, we were reminded that it's, that the giant that you face in your life, and trust me, I know that we all have giants. We all have giants that we're trying to, you know, we, we face every day, whether it be relationships or health or, or finances or, or whatever it may be. We have giants that we're really trying to get rid of. And that giant's not going anywhere unless we do something about it. But it's your giant to fight. It's my giant to fight. Nobody else's giant uh, to fight. We, we learned that in that story. Also, um, David didn't really go out to fight Goliath until he was mad enough. You know, all the other soldiers, they didn't go to fight Goliath because they weren't mad enough at Goliath for smearing and and, uh, cursing the name of God. And so David had holy anger towards this Goliath. You know, if you want to get rid of um, the giant in your life, the Goliath in your life, by the power of God, you've gotta have some sort of holy anger for that. And holy anger is not something that, that happens when, when somebody says something to you, you know, or a situation happens or circumstance and you, you react to that. Holy anger is built with inside of your soul, in your spirit, uh, for those who, who walk with God and walk with Christ. And you will not stand for things that are against God. And so if you want to make changes in your life, there has to be some sort of holy anger. And that's the, that was a very important lesson we learned in, in Goliath. Um, and also, David saw Goliath as, as the way God saw him. You know, David, uh, being a man after God's own heart, when we, ha- when we walk with God and we have the heart of God, we also have the eyes of God. And so, David saw Goliath the way God saw Goliath, just a punk. Yeah, he was big and tall and stuff, but David didn't see him like that. David saw him the way God saw him, just a punk, a guy that needs to be taken out, an enemy of God. And so whatever giant you have in your life, if the more you have the heart of God, the more you have the eyes of God. And then sometimes we, we like to look for a sign, a sign to fight our Goliath. Lord, give me a sign. He's given you a sign. <laughs> it's, the, it's the giant. It's the giant in your life. There's your sign, okay? We need to take care of it. Don't haste. Go after it. And then finish the job. David knocked him down with a rock. That's great. But he needed to finish the job. Got a sword, chopped off his head. Some of you may have knocked your giant down, but you've yet to cut off the head of your giant. So you need to do whatever it takes through God's word, through prayer, the church, all of that, to uh, go on and fight your 
giant. Um, and then after, right after that, that battle, um, David sort of entered into a season where it felt like everything was pulled out from underneath him. Have you ever felt like that? <laughs> you felt like, man, things are rocking and rolling, things are going good, and all of a sudden, all the wheels go off, and you're sitting here going, what just happened? Well, that's exactly what happened with David. You know, as, as King Saul was jealous of David because David was getting a lot of accolades and attaboys for, for slaying Goliath and, and killing the, the enemies and all that stuff. And he was a warrior, and a lot of people liked him. The girls probably liked him. He was cute. He was handsome. He was strong. He could sing. You know, if you sing, that's a plus, all right? Okay, uh, play the guitar, it's a plus. You know, I think that's the only reason maybe I, I was able to woo my wife is because I sang and played the guitar. Wrote a song when I asked her to marry me, so I think that was a help, okay? I got, I guess so, whenever, um, you know, I don't know, Caitlin, if you said I guess so, you probably said yes, I will, you know, but my wife, I guess so, and, and we're, good, we're good with that. We're not bitter at all, we're good. But David was a guy who, who Saul was really jealous of, and so it really, it really had an effect on David. You know, Goliath was an e- pretty much an easy giant to fight because he was kind of there, and, and you could see him, and he was a tangible guy. But, but when somebody is jealous of you, and, and you could just feel that things are just not good, okay, there's a disturbance in the forest, all right? And so it, it, that's a hard giant to fight because you're like, what am I swinging at? Where, where am I supposed to go with this? How am I supposed to bring this giant down? And so we even talked about a little bit of that with uh, David and Saul, how God sometimes will uh, remove the crutches. And how did David respond to Saul? You know, when you have, when you have people in your life that are, that are after you, talking about you, uh, uh, saying slanderous things about you, even when they're false, you know, the way that David responded is this. David responded, you, if you remember the, the, the cave uh, scene, it happened, we just, we just visited that last week, where David uh, is in the cave with his men, and, and, and Saul was in there. David had an opportunity to kill him, but he didn't. And then so, as Saul was walking out, David walked out of the cave, and in humility, he, shared, he showed humility. He also showed, showed mercy. He bowed before the king. You're the king, Saul. Even though you're talking about me, you're the king, and I recognize that. But also, I could have killed you, but I didn't. And so I showed mercy. And then David was able to speak truth to Saul. Saul, you're saying things about me that are not true. So when you want to go to someone and you want to say, hey, bro, you're saying things that are, that are against me. You're saying some things that are not true, okay? It's false information. Don't start with that. Start with humility, then mercy. Then you can rely on the truth. You can speak truth and love. But it's hard to speak truth and love when there's no love before the truth. Are you following me? It's hard to speak truth or, you know, in love when there's no love to begin with. How do you show love? Humility, mercy, and then speak the truth. Don't start with truth. They're going to reject it every time. Start with humility, start with mercy. And then finally, today, we get to a scene in David's life that a lot of us are familiar with. It's a, it's a scene that um, if we were to create a movie, we couldn't show it in church. I couldn't show it in, in my 
home, I know that. But we're, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And if you have your copy of God's Word, we'd love for you to turn to that. But 2 Samuel chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 1 through 17. There's a few verses we're going to read here. We're going to dissect this, and we're going to see how uh, God wants this applied to our life. So here we go. Verse 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab, one of his commanders, uh, out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites, the enemy, and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him. He slept with her. Now she was purifying herself from her monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, the commander. Send me Uriah, who was in the war, was in the battle. Send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was, how the soldiers were, and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. See what he's doing? See, so Uriah left the palace, and a gift from the king was sent after him. David even sent him a gift. Sly. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all his master's servants and did not go down to his house. David was told Uriah did not go home. So he asked Uriah, haven't you just come from a military campaign? Man, you've been without your wife, you know? Why didn't you go home? Verse 11, Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my commander Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open country. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and make love to my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. <laughs> He's showing up, David, on a spiritual level, big time. Verse 12, that David said to him, stay here one more night, and tomorrow I will send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next at David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. So another, uh, here's another way of doing it. Made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat and among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In it, he wrote, put Uriah out in front where the fighting is fiercest. Then withdraw from him so he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah at a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite. And jump down to verse 22. The messenger set out from, uh, from uh, Joab. And when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had sent him to say. The messenger said to David, the men overpowered us and came out against us in the open, but we drove them back to the entrance of the city gate. Then the archers shot arrows 
at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. All right, so there's some, there's some things in that that we need, to, uh, we need to pull out. Now, you may sit here thinking, all right, Frank, I've heard that story before, and, um, and you know, I, I, I am not really thinking I'm in a position where I'm going to commit adultery. And by the way, let me just kind of say this. Um, all of us in this room are, are prone and can easily turn and do something like this. Okay. Maybe not to the point to where we're killing somebody, but as far as committing adultery, absolutely. The man standing before you today as a pastor, I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I sin. I have bad thoughts. I've got to confess. I've got to repent. I've got to turn away from, God, uh, from, from the things of this world and walk towards God. Absolutely. I have to keep my guard up. Okay? I, don't, I, don't, I don't stay home and just, you know, watch my Bible, you know, levitate above my desk, you know, or call down, you know, something from heaven or, you know, I, I mean, I'm just a normal person. I've struggled just like you. And so all of us in this room can be in this place. And, and if you're thinking, well, uh, I'll, I've never really had those uh, tendencies to, to have an adulterous affair, um, let me ask you this. If, the, if that is the case, then who, or maybe the better question is, what is your Bathsheba? What is your Bathsheba? You know, your Bathsheba may not be an, an tendencies of an adulterous affair or, or, or the desires for that or the lust for that. Your Bathsheba may be something different. So what is your Bathsheba? And as we go through this, I want you to be thinking, does this or how can this apply to my life? First of all, we see in this passage, at the beginning, David was idle. David was in an idle position. David was not supposed to be in Jerusalem, okay? He was supposed to be where kings were supposed to be, and that was with the men. He was supposed to be rallying the men, the army, maybe not fighting with them, but rallying them, giving them, you know, giving them um, uh, words of encouragement, okay? The halftime speech, the pregame speech, all of that stuff. But yet, he wasn't. He was at home, idle. Guys, when, when we are idle, just allowing life just to bounce us around, things happen. Things come in. You know, we, we, uh, we like when our kids are involved in things, okay? And now, it's really busy. When you, when you have a lot of kids like we have, running them around everywhere, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, we, we probably spent more money on, on gas some days than we do even feeding our, our family. It's crazy. But know this. We like our kids involved because we don't want our kids idle. We don't want our kids idle. Because when things are idle in their life, that's when bad things happen. I remember when I was uh, a teenager, especially when I was a teenager driving, when I'm idle and not involved in things, and especially not involved even in the things of God, Things, bad things happen. So you need to watch when things are idle, when you are idle, when you're not involved in something, that's when things 
can happen. That's when the enemy comes into your mind. Uh, curiosity. Curiosity is another thing we got to watch out for. David was curious. First of all, David got up from his bed. He couldn't sleep. You know, David had, David had several wives, but he, he, he didn't sleep in the same room with his wives. His wives had other rooms. He was in a palace. But David, David got up. He didn't have accountability of a wife. Couldn't sleep. And uh, if, he, if, he would have, uh, if he would have had a computer and internet, he probably would have got on his computer, got on the internet. But instead, he went out on his, on his uh, top porch of his bedroom, looked out, and there was a woman bathing at night. Which, you know, I, I guess if, if, you're, if you need to bathe out and open, I guess night would be the best time to do that. But I can just imagine there's enough, you know, maybe there's a fire, you know, or some candles around where she's bathing, and, and he could, he could kind of, you know, see the, the form of her, of her beauty, or whatever. And so David was probably in a position where he could just kind of watch from his balcony, and no one would see him. Watch from his balcony, and no one can see him. And in the middle of the night, and no accountability. Sounds very familiar to our society, doesn't it? We may not go on a balcony and watch some, you know, if there's a lady bathing in your backyard naked, you might want to call 911. <laughs> but you know, we, we can easily put ourselves in that situation. Easily put ourselves in that situation. David was curious Hmm, what is that? What is that? Who is that? But now, I don't want to put all this on David. Because let me tell you something. And this, not, this is not all Bathsheba's fault. It's not all David's fault. It's a combination of the two, okay? These two will tango. Bathsheba could have been bathing inside, but her husband was off fighting a war, and she was lonely. And she just so happened to be wanting to bathe outside where, yeah, it's, a, it's at night, but people could see her, especially the handsome king who's not off at war, but he's home and he could possibly see me from this. Bathsheba should have known better. Bathsheba was not walking with the Lord at that time. And they're like, we're, we're going to get to some good things of Bathsheba in a little bit. But let me just tell you, Bathsheba was not walking with the Lord. She should not have been in that situation. Let me tell you, ladies, I want to, and, and, and even though you're not going to be in this sort of situation... But you just need to be really, really, really careful how you present yourself, especially, you know, young ladies who aren't, who aren't married, and even there are some married ladies as well. You, you, you just need to be careful, okay? S some of you, it's easy, and I don't mean just you in this church. I'm just talking ladies in general. Ladies, it's, easily to it's easy to flirt, and you don't even realize it. So... You just need to be careful, okay? So I'm just saying from your pastor, 
You just need to be careful. Don't put yourself in a position. If you are lonely, okay, you need to have some other ladies in your life that you could talk to about that, okay? And then if there's, and if you're married and lonely, then you need to go talk to a lady. My wife is, is available to talk to, and we can get some counseling set, you know, all that stuff. I've talked to many um, uh, men in this church who are, who are married, and we've talked through some marriage things. Let's do this together. But please watch what you're doing, okay? Don't go Bathsheba on us, okay? Don't, don't go Bathsheba on us and sort of bathe out in the open, and so you just want to, uh, you just want to be aware of that. Um, we also see that David tried to cover this up. He tried to cover up. As we saw, he got Uriah to say, hey, Uriah, you know, after he found out that uh, Bathsheba was pregnant, he's like, uh-oh, uh, we got to do something about this. I mean, you know, there's no abortion clinics. We can't go take care of this, all right, which would have been, you know, another bad thing. But instead, he, he got Uriah and said, hey, just want you go, just take a break. You know, and I would imagine this was really weird because David is not going to talk to a, a soldier. I mean, David's king. He's, he's going to talk to his commander, which he sent that, uh, that message to. And he even asked about, so how's the commander? And I, I can imagine the soldier standing there going to the king and going, um, he's fine. Why am I here? I mean, I'm sure it was awkward, but I'm sure he was like, hey, I get a little bit of a break. But he even shows up, David, and saying, how could I go sleep with my wife when all my buds are out there fighting, possibly getting killed, laying down their life, all of these guys, and, and they're not with their wives? Why would I want to be? I can't do that. I can't go back to those guys and say, hey, guys, I had a great vacation. Guess what? Man, guess what I was able to do, you know? I was able to be with my wife. Man, this is great. No. And so Uriah showed David up. Da David tried to cover it up. You know, when we realize that, that our sin has caught up with us, okay, whether it's talking about somebody, you know, if you're, if you're talking about somebody and gossiping, it's going to come back to you. It, all, it always does. Sometime. I, I mean, it, in, in some way, somehow, at some time in the future, it's going to come back. So if you're talking about somebody, um, you want to try to cover it up. Oh, I, w I meant this. Oh, I was really talking about this person. Oh, I was on medication. We try to cover it up, don't we? Don't we? Or we try to erase history on the, on the, on the computer. Or, or we, we try to you know, blame it on somebody else. Blame is a really popular, by the way. It's, it, we see that in the Bennett house a lot. Oh, it's, no, I, that, them. And so we do the same thing, don't we? Even as adults. No, it my, wasn't my fault. It was his fault, okay? Or we blame it on something, you know, whatever. And so I want to encourage you, you gotta watch to make sure you're not, Covering up. And, and, and David tried twice. Go sleep with your wife, didn't work. Okay, I'm gonna get you drunk. Okay, and then we're going to go and uh, you try that, and no, it didn't work. It didn't work. So if that didn't work, we gotta go nuclear. And that was this he sent his own death statement. 
He sits his own death statement through Uriah to Joab. And it said, put Uriah at the front in the battle, close to the wall. And he even talks about in this passage, why would you go close to the wall? Why would you even position yourself close enough to where men with arrows can, can penetrate you? Why would you do that? And then pull back, and he's going to die. And, and, and that was what he told Joab to do. So not only did, did, you know, did Uriah die, but other men died because not of Uriah's sin, but because of David's sin. He had to bring more people up there. Others have died. We read that report from the messenger. Other people died, and then obviously Uriah died also. You know, when, when, when we get to the point to where we're sinning, whether it's an adulterous situation, or we're gossiping, or we're, or we're taking something we shouldn't be, or we're, we're, we're lying about something in our life, whatever it is, you know, we're going to get to the point, if it didn't cover it up, we're gonna go nuclear. And when it gets to that point, guys, you are out of control. I would be out of control if I kept trying to cover things up and it just wouldn't work. And finally, I'm just gonna be like, okay, I'm going nuclear. It could be, for instance, the example I used earlier about when, when you're talking about someone, someone who finds out, and you say, oh, I really wasn't talking about it. Yeah, I've got proof here and that kind of stuff. What do you do in nuclear? You say, well, you're no longer in my life. You don't talk to that person, and they're out of your life. You never mention them. You, don't, you, you ignore them when you see them in public. You've gone nuclear, and it's not right. I mean, and I'm just using that as an example. And so David went nuclear. He was out of control. He ordered the murder of Uriah. So when we have obstacles of uh, standing in our way, we're gonna remove them. But then David was having some major issues with guilt. Because after, after Uriah, Uriah died, uh, David and Bathsheba they married. And so, but David was living with some guilt. In fact, we see a little bit of this in, in, in his, in his uh, journal. You know, David had a journal. We, we have a copy of his journal. It's in here. So David had a journal, and he wrote his thoughts. And we see this in the book of Psalm, chapter 34, verse 43. Just a little snippet of, of his feelings. It says this, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low all day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. He wrote that during this time. It's his journal. I can imagine what that song sounded like. Really slow, minor key, you know? Didn't have a banjo on it. Banjo's happy, okay? So this this journal, this entry, it talks about how, did you see how it, it starts affecting his physical body? His guilt was affecting his back and other parts of his body. 
Can, let me tell you something. When, when you are living with guilt, even though you try to cover up, and maybe you've done a really good job of covering up. Maybe you're living in sin, in sin right now, and you've covered it up, and no one really knows about it. But let me tell you something. There are other things going on right now in your body, and you don't know why. Can I tell you? We just found out today. It's a guilt that you could be possibly living with. Guilt can affect other things in your life. So he was living with that guilt. And sooner or later, the truth prevails. It's obvious that many people knew about this, that, that David has invited this, this young, hot girl who's bathing on the balcony. Husband was away. It's obvious his servants talking about it, whispering about it, but yet no one had the ability to come before him and, 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 and speak truth into him except one man, a prophet named Nathan. And so this, this prophet God spoke to and had him, had him come and talk to David and, and, to, and to share with David the truth and to expose it. Let me tell you something. Sooner or later, the truth's gonna come out. The truth is gonna come out, and, and I've even seen this. I've witnessed this. Even though there's sin in a life, there's gonna be a man or woman who walks with God so strong that God will speak to them, and he will share with them. Go to this person and say, you gotta stop with this adulterous affair. There's a, there, a story even, even uh, in, in Bartow several years ago. I won't tell the, the uh, situation, but there was, a, there was a man who was serving the Lord and was having an adulterous affair. And about a year before it became public, someone I know told me that they walked up to him. The Lord spoke to him and said, you need to go up to that person and say, get out of the affair now. I mean, God will speak to you. Of course, he denied. Then a year later came out. He was in this affair for over two years or more. God will speak to people. <laughs> he still does that. You know, he doesn't just speak to, you know, Moses and the prophet. I mean, God speaks to people today. And so God will speak to people just like this situation where God sent Nathan, the prophet. And I love this. He tells a story about there were two men living in this town. One is rich, one is poor. And the rich man had lots of cattle and lots of lambs and lots of sheep. And this, and this poor man only had one. He had a, a, a small family. And, but this, this sheep, he, he, he was special. This, this sheep, he was, this little lamb was, was someone who was very precious to the family. In fact, he stayed in the house. All right, he stayed in the house, and, and this, this lamb was, was uh, there eating at the dinner table, you know, kind of beside them, and feed them scraps, you know, and, and, and this, uh, this man would hold this lamb, and this lamb almost became like one of his dear children, loved this lamb. Some of you may have pets that you just love, they're, they're, like, they're like kids, you know, we've had Charlie, our, our black lad, for about 13 or more years, and we just love this dog, okay? Sometimes we like him more than our kids because he obeys better than our kids. You know what I'm talking about. But this man had a lamb 
that he loved. Well, there's a visitor who came in the, into the town, and he wanted, and he was probably a prominent guy and uh, probably well-known, and he came into this, to this little town, and he wanted um, to be able to have dinner. Well, the rich man said, you know, I've got a, I've got a ton of sheep. I don't, I don't want to use one of my sheep. I'm going to take this poor man's sheep. Maybe this poor man worked for him. I'm going to take this poor man's sheep, and I'm, I'm going to use this, and we're going to slaughter this lamb for this, this visitor. And so David, David was angry. He's like, how in the world could this, could this happen? You know, David thought, it was, David thought it was true. Of course, it was just a parable. And so David says, who is that man? And I love this response from Nathan, even though it hurts. David, you are that man. You have taken what was not yours. You have taken a family, a marriage, and slaughtered it for your own selfish desires. Verse 7 of uh, chapter 12. It says this, then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah, and all of this has been too little. If it had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. It's like Nathan had cameras installed in David's house. He knew the reason why he knew is because God told him. And so, obviously, David confessed that sin. God did forgive David. But the consequences, as you read the continued story of David, the consequences are grave in David's life. One of his sons one of his very sons will try to kill him, and he's off on the run again. In fact, the, the son that, that Bathsheba and David had together and, and was born in this world, God caused a sickness to fall in that son and that child and that baby, and that baby died. There will be consequences. But let me tell you, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Frank, I've sinned. I'm kind of like David. I've done some things in my life I should not. I should not have done. I've, whether you've been caught or not, if you're sitting here today thinking, what do I do? Well, you can confess your sin because God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. There will be some natural con consequences of sin. That's the order that God has placed within, within humanity and this earth. But God does forgive us, and, and God does lead with grace. We see grace in this story. Because 
Not only will, will David continue his kingship, there will be some hardships in his life because of his sin, but there will be some great things David will do. And most importantly, David and Bathsheba, they will have another son, and they will name him Solomon. And Solomon would go on to be the wisest man that ever lived. Solomon would go on and bring Israel to the point um, to where it's one of the most prominent, if not the prominent country at the time. Very, very successful. Kings from all over the world would come and see, what are you doing here in Israel? We're hearing all about it. They would have that son, Solomon. And then also, remember Bathsheba? How she really wasn't walking with God and she placed her her body in a position to where she was enticing to another man. And how God changed her heart. God changed her heart so much that she wrote in Psalm, I'm sorry, she wrote in Proverbs chapter 31. the, the, The most wonderful chapter about how a woman should act and how a woman should be virtuous And we see this in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 25 through 30. Here's just a small portion of it. And this is Bathsheba's words as she's talking to her son, Solomon. She says this, she, talking about the virtuous woman, is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. She's got to the point where she is feeling Praise, because she's walking in the fear of the Lord. Your life can change. If you have been that Bathsheba, or you have been that David, your life can change. Your heart can change. It's so possible, but only by the grace of God. Remember the story of that Nathan told of the lamb that was slaughtered? That one and only lamb of that, of that man, and it was and, and it was slaughtered because of the selfishness and greed of someone else. Can I tell you something? I believe with my heart that story that Nathan told is foreshadowing of what God will do. Because see, God had a son, a lamb, the lamb of God. One and only son, one and only lamb. And that lamb was slaughtered because of the greed and selfishness of mankind. Because of our sin. That man, that lamb was slaughtered and his name was Jesus. He was slaughtered for our sin so that you and I would not have to walk in shame or guilt any longer. We can walk in boldness knowing this, that we have the grace of God leading forward. Yes, we're gonna make mistakes, but we can walk in grace. I wanna encourage you Walk with grace. There's gonna be some consequences. You're gonna still have to live with that. But walk in grace. Walk in freedom.
Ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to say, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for living a selfish life, a greedy life, a sinful life. I'm sorry for disobeying you. Forgive me my sin. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life.